Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. This is a special Monday night episode of Hidden for the Cycle and coming to you one day after Independence Day. Happy belated 4th of July to all you viewers watching tonight. Got another pretty good one for you. A lot of stuff happened over the course of the past weekend since we last recorded. But anyways, before I get right into it, I'd like to give you all a friendly neighborhood reminder. Please give us a follow on all of our forms of social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And please, in addition, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And you know what? Let's get right into it. I got my guests coming on pretty soon. It's Dom Daniele. You saw him last week. We were going over the Subway Series. Dom, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you, Hank? I'm a little sick to my stomach after watching a certain pinstripe team over this past few weekend, but in any event, let's get uh, right into the meat potatoes of the series. It was a brutal three-game series. I was actually at all three games, by the way. This was a fun series to be at. Great atmosphere at the stadium, and I must say it was pretty packed. It was like the most hyped up I've ever really been to go to a game in like a long time, probably, probably since before the pandemic, unless you want to include one of the Red Sox games, but... Any event, crazy series. All three games were pretty exciting to watch. But um, first of all, let's start with the Friday night game. That one, actually, no, Saturday night. I take that back. Friday was postponed due to rain. So yep. obviously I went all the way there that night. Game didn't happen. Wow. So I figured, you know what, let's just get a last minute ticket to Saturday. Saturday started at one. That game was a little bit of a scoreless duel. Montgomery looked okay for the first four, but then he gives up a run. I think I forgot who it was that scored the run. I, I think Nimmo scored that run. No, I think so. He he ended up giving up that first run, and Boone made one of his first mistakes of that series. He took him out like immediately after. Now, yep. Grant, you still had a lot of guys on base, but do you think that that was a mistake? Yeah, I, th- I think it was. I, Boone just has that tendency to just take guys out too early. I think he should have probably let them in a little bit more, a little longer. The thing is, I don't know if this is necessarily like an Aaron Boone thing. I think that's probably Cashman and his numbers telling him don't let him face that lineup like a second or third time or at least yeah. when he's in trouble. But in any event, I didn't like that move because, in my opinion, he only gave up one run. He could, he probably could have gotten out of this jam. I think he probably had a better chance at getting out of that jam than Lucas Lecky, but in any event, Brandon Nimmo, since I mentioned him, he was the spark plug, not just of this game, but the whole series. The entire series, yeah. He came back. This is his first game off the IL, I should mention. He got three hits in this game. And he scored two of the runs. And the lineup, 
if I'm going to be honest, no matter what Aaron Boone decided in this game, let's face it, I don't think it really mattered. The lineup just looked absolutely lifeless. Like they didn't get a hit until the sixth inning. And by that time, the Mets put a five spot on the scoreboard. And like, you know, Walker was all relaxed. I think he had a lot of pitches. And I, I just think that like the Mets were a little too comfortable by that point, And rightfully so, because like, if the Yankees have trouble coming back from like three, nothing or four, nothing on most nights, you knew the game was over, like even before the five spot happened. And um, another, another Met that did well in this game, Dom Smith, he had three RBIs. He had a single and a double. And yeah, really the one redeeming quality of this game was Aaron judge's home run. And that was a no doubter too. But again, game one, that one, what you going to do. And uh, James Montefusco says, what's up boys. Mets, Mets take our three. Well, James, congrats, man. I don't really have much room to trash talk. You you were the better team this series, and it showed. They shut us down. Yeah, no, Taiwan Walker was good. And, you know, I got to ask you this. Do you think Taiwan Walker was snubbed from the All-Star game? Because you look at his numbers, 2.44 ERA. As I mentioned in my last episode, he's actually among the top 10 in league leaders in the ERA, believe it or not. Absolutely. He's been tremendous this year. He's been, he's been like, besides DeGrom, he's been the best pitcher in that rotation. Uh, and he's another guy, too. He it took so long for him to get off the, you know, free agency market. And if you look at his numbers too, yes, he's always been injury prone in his career, but he's always been like, honestly, very good. He's always had the stuff. And like, especially when he was traded from the D backs to the blue Jays, he was tremendous that second half of the year. So I'm surprised like, you know, the Mets got a great pitcher and he showed us, you know, he was great. Yeah, no. And you want to know what the best part is? They got him for like a big fraction of what they could have, could have gave to a certain LA Dodger whose name I'm not going to mention. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's, that's a big win for them. And Hey, Luis Rojas, I, I loved, I loved what he said in that press conference. I, too. I don't cool. care about that guy. I, I'm more concerned that we had a uh, Taiwan Walker and you know, that that's what a good manager does. I like, he may not be the best at in-game strategies, but I like the fact that he like speaks up and defends his guys during press conferences and, that's something I kind of wish I could have seen more from out of Aaron Boone ever since the epic savages from the box. And, but you know, if any event that game was over and done with, it was the double header. That was really the best part about this series. Well, not maybe for not us, personally, but like for any casual baseball fan, I think it was a great one because game two, you had Dom Smith starting it off with a home run in the first inning. You had the Yankees capitalizing on a Lindor error to take the lead. Kyle Higashioka had a two run double. And then, Tim LoCastro drove in the other run on a sack fly. And, you know, it's funny. When I went to the nightcap of this game, I actually ran into one of my good friends and coworkers from my summer job. And, you know, he was telling me at the night game that the Mets literally were doing their best to try to hand the Yankees to this game because Francisco Lindor's error could have really been a backbreaker for the Mets had they Absolutely. lost this game. And, you know, another thing that really also was a, was a game changer for the Mets, that fourth inning, or no, I'm sorry, it was the third inning, actually. The Yankees had first and third, no outs. Giancarlo Stanton's up. You know where this is going when I'm talking about an inning like this. Granted, the run did score, but you still he still hit into a double play. And, you know, everyone's going to forget about that inning because of what happened in the sixth and seventh. But the low key, the more I think about it, and I said this something similar to about the third game of that Red Sox series, I kind of think that might have been the turning point of this game because – if the Yankees get a run or two, who knows? Maybe the Mets don't have the fight to come back in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Stanton has been doing that all year. I mean, it's it's fun, and not just Stanton. See, it's the entire team besides you know 
like Judge and a couple other guys, but it's always been grinding to a double play, not capitalizing with runners in scoring position. It's been really frustrating. And no, and you're right. Uh, who knows? Maybe if he came through there, they wouldn't have that fight. But I got to say, though, this entire series made me kind of realize, too, this is a really fun Mets team to watch. I hate to say it. This is a fun team to watch. They play as a team. They play with heart, and I like that. Uh, I'll give them credit where credit's due. Hey, look, you know what? I do not disagree with you at all. And let's get into more comments from the Met fan peanut gallery section. And by the way, for those of you watching, commenting, if you guys want to interact and make some good points with us, please do so. We would love to hear your comments, especially if you're a Met fan who wants to continue gloating in our faces. You're more than welcome to do so. (laughs) We got two of them right here. James Montefusco says, that's a great question, Hank. I believe he was, but at the same time, he's an under rare guy and the great number two. I'll take that. Yeah. No, that I agree with you, James. That's that's a solid point, and I, I think it definitely helps to get a guy like him as your number two, especially not having to blow like a ton of money on him either. And uh, obviously, our guy Tom Scavetta, he says, "Let's go Mets! Great weekend with getting Nima back." Hey, you know what? Getting a leadoff hitter back is more important than people realize because this is the spark plug of the lineup. This is a guy that gets things going, and. I think watching that series, I think you could tell something was a little bit different about the Mets as opposed to when they were playing like the past month of June, you know? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's always been a guy that's always kind of, he energizes that team. What I love about him is when he like draws a walk and he just sprints right to first base. I love that type of energy. So, you know what? Like, you can just tell he's a great clubhouse guy. It's a great guy to add back to that team. I love that. You know what I, you know what I always hope he does whenever I see him walk to first base? I always hope he pulls off the move that one of that guys from Little Big League did. Remember when the guy walked yeah. and then just ran right to second? Yes. I'm always waiting for that just for the fun of it. I feel like that would be funny. But that'd be great. That's a silly tangent for another day. <laughs> Yankees would end up taking the lead right back. The Mets obviously tied three. Derek Cole had a meltdown in the fourth. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about the John Carlos Stanton at bat, the fact that Derek Jer- Cole gave back that lead so quickly was very, very unacceptable. I yeah. mean, this is the guy you're paying a lot of money for and spider tack or not. If you're the ace on this team, you got to hold on to this lead. Yeah. I, I hate to say, it. I don't know what you think, but this is kind of, I feel like since this whole spider tack thing kind of happened, he's, he's kind of been pitching like, like the way he used to pitch when he was with the pirates, when he was kind of trending downward. That's what I'm kind of worried about. I'm really hoping that he gets out of this thing. He just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. It's, it's, it's really scary. You know, because I don't, who knows if this has been the reason why he started to dominate in Houston. I really hope it's not the case. I would like to, I mean, he, he looked like, you know, in the first inning too, he looked great. He had great command of his fastball. He's looking good. Then towards the fourth or fifth inning, he's is like, he lo- looks like he had lost confidence in his breaking ball. And that's not like Garrett Cole. He was just giving up home runs like it was nothing. It's, I don't understand. Well, he wasn't giving up home runs this game. It was more like a lot of singles, but still you, well, yeah. you get the idea. Like the Mets had a lot of patient at bats too. I think you gotta, the first. You also got to give them credit too. Like, yeah, like as much as you want to blame Derek Cole, like they had great at bats too. And again, I know a certain other pinstripe team that could benefit from stuff like this. But mm-hmm. you know, the Yankees obviously they took the lead on that wild pitch. Yeah, and you know it's funny. Another funny thing I heard when I was at the stadium was one guy said, "That's your best chance at scoring, get, getting a guy home from scoring position." Which Sadly enough, he wasn't wrong. But then going into the seventh, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Chapman come in, I just, I had those bad vibes. And whether he's another guy that could have been a victim, well, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. A victim, quote unquote, of the spider attack crackdown or not. He just has not looked good. Like, 
you knew his dominant st- his dominant stretch would only go for so long. And I've been saying this not just this year, but for many years. He either has it or he doesn't. And yep. when he doesn't, you can tell. And it only took the third pitch of that Pete Alonso at bat for us to really know that he did not have it. And I think you pretty much knew that was the game right there. Didn't matter what happened. Didn't matter that a fan like reached his glove over the fence to interfere with what I think was Jose Peraza who hit that ball. I believe so. I mean, Billy McKinney drove in the next two runs anyway. So mm-hmm. what did it really matter? And then they got another extra one. They won 10 to five. And this, I'm going to be honest, was probably the worst I've felt being at an, at like a, it's the worst Yankee loss I felt being at the stadium for a regular season game, probably since the Devers game on August 13th, 2017, we actually met up that day. If I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, That was, that was heartbreaking too. But yeah, the Mets won that game. And, you know, the more I look at this game and you look at where the Mets are, I believe they're three and a half games in first place right now. I mean, the big win for the Mets wasn't even just them winning the series. It was the fact that the Los Angeles or the Washington nationals ran into a buzzsaw named the Los Angeles Dodgers. They like, they got smoked in all three games. So as I look at the standings through right now, unfortunately I didn't put them on a ticker this episode because I was focused on the All-Star game. But as I look at the standings right now, the Mets are actually three and a half games ahead of the Washington or no, excuse me, the Atlanta Braves for first place. Washington Nationals are four games behind mm-hmm. and you have the Phillies at four and a half games, but all three of those teams are five games behind the Mets in the loss column. And when you look at a game like that, and when you look at the type of team the Mets have, that's a that's a win that could probably be a turning point for them for a contender in any season. That's a win that you're going to hear about, and probably SNY will show on Mets Classics like for many years to come too. Especially doing it against a team like the Yankees too, like a Subway Series matchup. They they just showed they had a, a, they had a ton of fight. Honestly, like we were lucky that Chad Green finished off that third game because who knows they could have came back in that game too. It was just too close for comfort. They look like a really good team, and you never really never know. This would definitely propel them. Yeah, you know, game three was interesting. I like I love that Gio hit that home run. I think Gio was probably one of maybe two or three Yankees that really did anything this series. But mm-hmm. he hit that through and home run off Corey Oswalt. And I remember being shocked because I thought um what's his name? I thought McGill was supposed to w- start that yeah. game. I guess they wanted to move him ahead one start, which makes sense because they're playing Milwaukee Brewers for a big series and um you know, I guess I guess they probably knew that they had the series. It was a doubleheader. They figured they might as well just throw a spot spot starter out there. But they almost came back and won that because Pete Alonso hit a two run home run. And then it's funny how Gary was up, and I'm like, oh boy, are the Yankees gonna drive in a run? Turned out a wild pitch was all they needed to drive the run. Didn't have to rely on Gary. And you know, I gotta say, for all the complaints I've made about Aaron Boone this year, and rightfully so, this series in particular, because I feel like he really like through gasoline in the fire, like during the past few games, I think using Chad green for the three innings was very smart because you knew you didn't want to get swept by the Mets. He's your best reliever of the whole series. Couldn't really take any chances. And, you know, Billy Martin did a, did a similar thing like this too in the seventies. He, he used Sparky Lyle for like four or five innings in like big mm-hmm. games. So, you know, I, I like that Aaron Boone went with his gut and wanted to go for the win and, you know, it's something I wish I could have seen more out of him from this series. But in any event, I'm not going to say I'm ecstatic that the Yankees won this game. Like, I'm really more relieved, if anything, if I'm going to be honest with you. No, yeah, I agree. I'm just glad. At the end of the day, I'm glad we didn't get swept. I mean, those first two games take a lot of life out of you. 
And I think the entire fan base too was panicking. Like, Oh, what are we going to do? Like, this is bad, you know, but I'm glad at least we won that third game. Yeah. It's not like, I'm not relieved. Like I'm not crazy happy about it either, but I'm just glad at least we didn't get swept. And it's, you know, just got to move on from here. And while we're on the subject, I think it's time to talk about, you know, the elephant in the room regarding not really just the Yankees, but a lot of other teams. And I believe we're going to have to talk about trade proposals because let's be real. Like, if the Yankees were a great team right now, I never would have made my controversial remarks about Aaron Judge and the idea of possibly trading him. But mm-hmm. the Yankees, as we sit right now, are only one game above 500 in like the middle of the season. This is something that, like, in other, it's happened before in other years, but like this team gives you a different feel because unlike, unlike the 2017, who had a really bad start because of injuries, and then that team had a lot of talent that was enough to overcome whatever problems they had. Yes. The 2014 team, on the other hand, had guys who were good, but they were average. The And they had a good second half because they had a manager who was willing to, like, go for the win at all costs, even if they it wasn't a great team. 2016, again, that was another mediocre team. They were, like, kind of around the, at the same point that year, but again – you you didn't no one really thought that that team was a team that was going to go anywhere like come playoff time this team however is different this team has had a lot of expectations on paper they should be a lot better yes. the talent is there talent was never the issue the problem is this team just does not have the heart that some of the other yankee teams in the past have and i'm sorry to say it and the pitching rotation like now that cole's starting to like flame out and you look everywhere else like it's becoming a really big disaster. And Dom, I'm going to be honest. I don't really see any trade that can really fix the Yankees. That's my honest opinion. It's, it's a really tough spot. Cause like also what Jack Curry said too, this team is very frustrating because it's either whenever they take two steps forward, they take three steps backwards. It always seems like they'll go on a little streak. You get, you get a little happy about it. And then it just kind of goes back to like, Oh, there's too many flaws. I kind of agree with you too. I don't really see, I don't think there's like one or two trades that could completely change this team. It's, you know, it it's always been from the start too. It's very right-handed heavy in terms of the lineup. And that's always been a problem too. Like it's Yankee stadium. You need to have some lefty bats. And like we always say too, we always talk about it. I really do think letting Didi go was a big mistake. Yes. He's, he's not tearing it up this year. He was great with the Phillies last year. He's been mostly hurt this year, but he's, when he was with this team, he was a spark plug. He was the guy, great defense, he had big clutch hits too, you know, and like, once again, lefty bat. And like, yes, we have Gardner. Yes, we have Ruben Odor, but they're not bats that could propel this lineup. It's just not, it's not good enough. And the same thing too, like this bullpen is just with Chapman being shaky now, which he was, had a great start to this year until, you know, what's been going on now. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. The rotation, like you said too, with Cole kind of not pitching like the way Garrett Cole is supposed to pitch. It's frustrating. I really, I really don't know either. I think, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to have like, they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do. I feel like maybe if they sell, they'll have like a small little sell, uh, sale. Sorry. I don't see them making like any type of like big trade. I don't, I just don't see it. And uh, we got a little comment here. Ben Cruz says, what's up guys. How's it going, Ben? Thanks for what's checking up, in. Great to see you. Um, yeah, no, I agree. They're, they're really in a tough spot. And you know, here's the worst part too it's hard for them to really legitimately sell too, because as I mentioned yesterday and in other episodes, look at the contracts that you're stuck with. Exactly. You, you're not even close to halfway done with Cole's contract. 
that's going to be if it's starting to look bad right now in the middle of the season, wait till we get to him being his mid to late thirties. Oh, we would, we can never trade Cole though. No, no, no. I'm not saying we are, but I'm just pointing out the other big contracts. Yeah. Cool. And the less said about his contract, the better mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron Hicks is another one that really came back to her. And yes. again, the more I think about it, looking at this Yankee team, like besides them and looking at everyone else, I don't really think anybody's untouchable. I don't Zach Britton, you look at some of the good bullpen arms we have. Zach Britton, you, we talked about this on the side. I think he could potentially net us some good guys in return. Maybe yeah. Chapman if we're lucky, but given what's happened lately, I don't know about that. But I, I like your point about him possibly going to the Padres. I mean, hey, maybe Prowler Palooza can help us out this time, but who knows? Yeah, I think like – I feel like Zach Britton would be – as much as I love Zach Britton, I think he'd be a perfect candidate because – there's, it's a guy who's kind of controllable. He's not making too much money, and he's great a great bullpen arm. A lot of teams are going to want him. I could definitely see like the, a team like the Padres trying to go after him because you have Mark Melanson. Yes, he's great. He's a shutdown closer, but what happens if he goes down? You know, like who else do you have? I think that would make a lot of sense, and they have the farm system to give us assets back. That would make a lot of sense. Chapman, it's tough because obviously with what's going on right now, if we were to trade him and there was a candidate out there, you know, not only because the contract is pretty big at the end of the day too, like, you know, he won't net back as many top tier prospects as we would have, if he was pitching as Chapman, like in the olden days or the way he was pitching in the beginning of the season. So I still, I know we were talking about judge. I don't, I, as much as I, we say it, I don't think that he would get, there's, there's no way. Obviously I think it doesn't hurt to just at least have your ear open for offers. That's not realistic for this year. Absolutely not. But I do think guys like Chapman, Britain right. makes a lot of sense. It, it's tough. Like you said, there's a lot of – you can't offload Stanton. There's no team that would take him unless you're giving him away for free, and that's not going to happen. It, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. And the same thing, too. If you want to actually make a big splash for a trade, this team also – like we're trying – the whole point is to have our farm system kind of, you know, having guys ready to come up and replace older guys. And we don't want to just – trade away our whole farm system too it, but it's a it's a tough spot like you want to win for this fan base you want to make this fan base happy grab some guys it's tough that we don't have much ammunition to work with tom asked a pretty interesting thought-provoking question he asked is chapman overrated i'm gonna be blunt and say kind of because he's gotten a lot of good b- big saves like in the regular seasons but looking at him in the postseasons in your past and i'm not just talking about with the yankees like he almost cost the Cubs that World Series, and maybe they'd be waiting what 113 years now. So yeah, I don't know. The way when I think of Chapman, in a way, I think of, he kind of reminds me in a way. And Tom, Tom's probably going to kill me for making this comparison, but Billy Wagner kind of remember him. He had good yep. stuff too. He also <laughs> blew a lot of big games. And remember, this wasn't just the Mets. He had some bad ones when he was with the Astros and the Phillies too. So again, to show you that I'm not really being biased, like. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you, Tom. I, I do think he kind of is. Yeah, I'm with you, Hank. I think I would say slightly only because of, you know, how when we first got him and when he was when he was a closer with the Reds, how it was like, oh, my God, this guy is untouchable. You can't hit him. He's got amazing stuff. Yes, he does. But at the end of the day, too, it comes down to performance. And he's there are some big spots, like you said, too, in the World Series. Yeah, he helped the Cubs win a World Series, but he did almost blow it, giving up that home run to Rajai Davis. Um, yeah. Obviously, what he's doing now, too. He's got the stuff. I would say, yes, he is a little slightly overrated because he's not a guy like, obviously we were lucky with Mariano. Like you just had that, 
you just you were relaxed. You knew, okay, this guy's coming in and he's gonna shut it down. You know, we were, you know, exactly. There we go. Love it. You know, we were we were spoiled with that. And we kind of think, okay, Chapman is obviously nowhere near like as great as Mariano Rivera is, but you know, right. was. Nobody is. Yeah, but you know, he's just <laughs> he is slightly overrated. Yes, I would agree with that. And you know, I didn't even get to the other trades that they could have really made that years ago. Like when you look at the prospects they had and how much not trading them really came back to haunt them. Quint Frazier is the big name that really comes to mind with this. It, it really goes to show you the, the moral of the 2021 Yankees, when I'm going to look back at this season, is strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. And they didn't quite do that. But now let's move on to some of the other teams. Like I remember one trade you mentioned, and I really like this idea. The A's could trade for Trevor Story. I mean, look, Trevor Story is a guy who I've mentioned in episodes past as someone who's really injury prone, but I like this trade for the A's. I think the A's are a team, they're under a lot of pressure. And I'm not just talking about like in years past of not getting past the first or second round. They got to, if they want to stay in Oakland, like who knows if they're even going to stay in Oakland at all past, past uh, 2023 or something. If yeah, they can get right. him and they can make a deep playoff run with Trevor Story, who knows? Maybe it saves the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have to make multiple trades too, but I do Obviously. think, I do think if they were to make this trade, and I think it's possible too, because if you think about it, a guy like Trevor Story would make a ton of sense for this team because number one, it shouldn't really cost him that much because he is kind of having more of a down year. It's not the same Trevor Story, but you're getting him for the second half and he would be a rental. It's not going to cost you that many prospects for a guy like, if you were getting Trevor Story with control or him coming off of a really good year, it'd be tough, but they could slot him in there at short. Elvis Andrews, He's a good shortstop, but offensively, he's not contributing like he used to when he was with the Rangers. He's And he's older now. If you put Story in that infield with Matt Chapman, Tony Kemp at second, Jed Lowry at second, Jed Lowry too. Um, I don't know how they do it. It's amazing how they resurrected him. And Matt Olson. It's a very good, not only defensive infield, but very good offensive infield. You know, It would make a ton of sense, and you also add a guy like that in between Matt Olson and Chapman. They need a bat like that, and it's not going to cost them that much. That's what the A's do. And if you look around too in baseball, what team really needs a guy like Story? I don't. There's not many teams, and the A's. I feel like if they were to pursue Trevor Story, they would be logical to get Trevor Story. It would make a ton of sense. Ben Cruz says, "I heard the White Sox might try at Eduardo Escobar or Adam Frazier. Story will probably be the best player that will like me on lead beyond the move by the deadline. Best pitcher I see going somewhere is Herman Marquez. That's a great point. Herman Marquez is probably." I think he might be one of, if not the best pitchers the Colorado Rockies have ever, de- Colorado Rockies have ever developed. No, like that park yeah. and Coors Field is is a literal nightmare for them, and he's yeah. probably one of the few pitchers that's been able to succeed there. Yeah, and obviously all those guys too playing that park, your numbers are going to kind of be a little higher than usual. But he's got really good stuff. If he's not there, like I, I, like you know, he's he'll I think he'll he'll thrive somewhere else. And plus, he's so coveted right now too because of the year's control you're not paying him that much and for all that kind of stuff oh come on tom no he doesn't oh i disagree with that oh man um but uh let's get to the other players he mentioned adam frazier would be an upgrade for any in any contending team he goes to this is a guy who's among the league leaders in the national league for batting title escobar too both are nice little slap hitters not going to see them try to go for home runs, but they make good contact, and I think they could really complement the White Sox lineup. So I think that would really make sense. Escobar is kind of more of like a power guy, but I th- I think like yeah, I think he would he would make sense for that White Sox team because they're very um 
very contact heavy, I think. Yeah, but no, I, I know he's a home run hitting guy, but he's not like a all or nothing home run guy. Yeah, that exactly. With the Bronx is what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, another guy that we mentioned that could really beef up somebody else's roster is Nelson Cruz. And was it the Rays that you mentioned them trading trading for him? Or am I making that up? Yes. I, I honestly, I think, I don't know about you, I think Nelson Cruz to the Rays has just Tampa Bay Rays all over it. It makes a ton of sense. This is a, a trade that they definitely, they, they were interested in him when he was a free agent. It right. makes a ton of sense. You add a guy like that, they need like a power thread in that lineup. They have Austin Meadows. They have, you know, Wander Franco got called up. I think a guy Kevin like Kiermaier. that. Sorry, what'd you say? Rosarena, Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah. yeah th- those guys, yeah, they just need, they need like that one power threat. And I think it won't cost them that much. Nelson Cruz is again, a rental. He's batting 306 has a, a what? I think he has close to at least 20 home runs or if not slightly, slightly under, I don't remember the exact number, but he's been having a great year. Even though he's now like what he's 40, 41, that's a great guy to put in that lineup. And they kind of need a DH too. It makes a ton of sense. So Tom has another little stink bomb about Herman Marquez for us. He says he is the definition of inconsistent. How does he get an all star nod? He's only in because Colorado needed a player. Had a start where he gave up eight runs and 12 hits in like an inning. Well, Tom, to be fair, a lot of pitchers will have a bad start like that. That happens. Yeah. But before we do, I want to pull up his numbers this year just to see like if he's really as bad as Tom's making him out to be. Yeah, just... I believe he has he has a three point five something ERA. It's not not terrible. So it's I believe it's three point six two. That's you yeah. know it's not it's not spectacular. Obviously, for Colorado pitcher, it's not bad. Yeah, for okay, no, I take it back. Three point five nine, but pretty close. Yeah. Seven six, three point five nine. 18 games pitch, 18 games started, 105 strikeouts, 1.18 whip. Those aren't terrible numbers. Not at all. Those are, like, that's t- totally serviceable. And, you know, like I said, I think he he's probably one of the easily the best pitchers on their roster, in, in all honesty. He's got great stuff. His stuff is He does. Crazy. And like I said, I'm not making him out to be a Jacob DeGrom or anything like that. I'm just saying he's a decent pitcher. There, there's going to be teams that are going to get up a lot for him. Oh, I see what Tom's complaining about. It's fantasy. Okay. <laughs> of course. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm, believe it or not, I you guys will probably be shocked about this. I'm not much of a fantasy guy. I'm more about the eye tests and watching, like, pitcher starts and highlight-wise. But in any event, fantasy, though, seems pretty cool. Maybe one day I'll get into that stuff. But, you know, that would definitely be a good – anyways, back to Nelson Cruz. I think he would definitely help the Tampa Bay Rays lineup. And if they were smart, I really think they should go after him because – they have Stuart Sternberger as their owner. For all the smart people they have in the front office, we know that that guy is not somebody who likes to spend money. And remember, it's a small market team, too. So yeah. getting him would help. And you know what also would really help them? And I could think of at least three teams in our division that could really use this pitcher. Oh, yeah. Jose Barrios. Yes. Now, the if the Toronto Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, and God help me if the Boston Red Sox. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I hate to be bringing that up. One of those three teams would instantly be the biggest, the, would instantly become the favorite for the AL pennant in my eyes. If any of them get with that, any of them get Barrios. So I think honestly, I mean, this could happen because once again, the Rays, they have ammunition in their farm system. If they wanted to get a little more creative here, instead of just going after Nelson Cruz, gr- grab Nelson Cruz and Jose Barrios too. It would be smart for them because, you know, with Glass now being hurt now and sidelined for pretty good time now, pretty pretty long time now, you know, they don't really have much besides, you know, um, 
some of those rookies and right. They kind of need they kind of need like another guy to rely on besides Glass now. I think you add Barrios there. Come postseason, they'll have a nice one-two punch right there. And I, I don't think obviously Barrios is going to cost a good amount because he's a great pitcher. But I think if the Rays want to be a little creative here and give up some some assets, they should do Barrios and Nelson Cruz. That'd be great for them. So we got a few more comments for you. Ben Cruz says his X Factor player will be Sterling Marte. He said he wants to stay in Sterling Marte. Sorry, I can't even speak right now. He said he wants to stay in Miami, but I'd love to see my see the Red Sox pursue him. Lots of suitors will be in for Marte. Yeah, the, the Red Sox already have a pretty decent lineup as it is, but if you put Sterling Marte in there, I think that makes them a little bit better. But Ben, I want to ask you your opinion. What would you think if they get Jose Barros? Do you think that that's a realistic opportunity for you guys? That that's the real question I want to know. And Tom has a little score update. Kevin Gossman has a no-hitter going into the sixth inning. Let me take a look at the score of that game. The Giants and the Cardinals are actually scoreless right now, but after six innings, he's right. The Cardinals don't have a hit right now, and hopefully for Gossman's sake, the Giants can get a run. But, um, yeah, that guy's been, what can I say, one of the other best pitchers in baseball, not named DeGrom. And he's an example that the Orioles really are not the best at developing pitching. It's crazy. He's been. Well, he has a sub two ERA this year. It's inc- it's incredible. He's really reinventing himself. Yeah, no, it's really amazing. And the the Giants are just more of a fundamentally are better at developing their players. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, speaking of them, let's talk about some of the division contenders. Like now, I think the big story right now is the Los Angeles Dodgers. As I mentioned, they helped the Mets out a lot by sweeping the Washington Nationals three straight, including that. 4th of July morning game that the Nationals should really have. The Dodgers, I think it's pretty much inevitable that at this point they're only a half game behind the Giants. Like, we knew that they were dealing with injuries. We knew some of their guys were struggling, but everyone was like, oh, no, the Dodgers are done. And I and I, I had my episode where I'm like, no, well, no, 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 hold your horses. Dodgers will be fine. And look where they are. They're totally fine. And if if there wasn't, if the wild card wasn't even a factor, let me take a look at their record. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they might have the second best record in baseball, or pretty close to it. I think they're, I think they're a half game behind the Giants right now. Oh no, I'm talking about like in the MLB as a whole. Oh, okay, yeah. I, so, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. The Dodgers have the second best record in the National League. Second, yeah, no, second best or third best overall. Actually, the Red Sox are. Are, have 53 wins so do the Giants but the Giants are, are ahead of the Red Sox by two games in the loss column and Dodgers are ahead of the Red Sox by one game so yeah pretty close yeah it's I mean we all knew that the Dodgers just have way too much talent I, I mean this was gonna happen eventually they're finally much more healthier now they, they have their guys back and everyone's hitting everyone on that team is hitting and you know obviously I wonder what they're going to do now with the whole, with now kind of losing Bauer, and I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe they go after another starting pitcher. Once again, they have ammunition. They have still a good farm system. They have guys. I think they're going to kind of need some more rotation help. But still, there's just too much talent on this team. Now, this was going to happen eventually. We all knew that. Yeah, it doesn't even matter that Bauer's out. They're paying him all that money, and he's not even the second best starter on that team. Mm-hmm. And let me see what Ben Cruz replied to my little question for him. He says it would be a dream for Barrios for us, but our farm is very strong, and and that would be hard to put any of them in a package as a rental. Bloom says he expects to get some players, but I don't think it will be any household names. I think as Drupal Cabrera could be what we're looking at. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think Cabrera could be a solid role player. He has a World Series ring, so who knows? That could definitely help the Red Sox. I was just thinking Barrios because 
remember, I've seen we've seen the Red Sox go for it in years past. And yep. make no mistake, I as much as I'd be shocked that Bloom would do this because I know Bloom kind of treated 2020 as like sort of a bridge year. It's kind of funny how every there's been a lot of other years in Red, for the Red Sox lately that people thought would be bridge years, and then all of a sudden they get better. That's just how they operate. I feel like I feel like more teams probably. I feel like I feel like if the Yankees had that like one tank season, they could finally slowly build up, get better, and you know who knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I definitely think. Trust me though, their their farm system though is deep enough to where they could totally go for Barrios. I think. It would absolutely make sense for them. And remember, the Red Sox are a big are a big market team too. They can they can afford to keep him for the long run. And yeah. another reason I was thinking Barrios could help them, Chris Sale is still recovering. I've I've been hearing he looked pretty good in some of his rehab starts. Now, whether that translates to his return, I don't know. But if you can get Chris Sale back from his injury as well as Barrios, we're looking at a really dangerous team we're looking at a team that already has a lethal lineup. We're looking at a team whose bullpen has been one of their strengths too. Matt Barnes, their closer was also named to the all-star team. So I, it's really not as far fetched as you might think, Ben, I'm just saying I Red Sox. you've seen the Red Sox go for some of the big names and it's helped them win too. something again, that I wish the Yankees could have done, but that is a rant for another day. And now I think it's time to talk about what I've really been waiting to talk about all day. And that's the all-star game roster. Now below, you're going to be seeing tickers for the American League and National League starting lineups. I'm going to start with the American League. Salvi Perez, I think, was about as obvious as a choice as you can get for a catcher. Yeah. He's he's the best catcher in the American League. There's, there's not even a close second. And I'm happy to see him doing well after coming back from Tommy John surgery. One comeback player of the year in 2022. I, I know that was a shortened season, but that's not that's not a small feat by any means necessary. And first base, we got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who might be one of the leading vote getters out of all All Star players too. He's he's awesome to watch. He definitely deserves that. He's been tremendous this year. He's one of two players that I think will be named that really has a shot at being the MVP in the American League. And I'll get to the other players shortly. But the other guys in on this lineup, you got Marcus Semyon, sec, solid second baseman for Toronto. I knew that'd be a pretty good acquisition for them. And then you got the the left side of Boston's infield, Bogart's endeavors. And for as for the outfield, you got Mike Trout. Now you'll notice on on the ticker right there, I have a little asterisk above his name, and that's because he unfortunately can't play due to injury. But I thought his name was worth mentioning still because he was one of the leading vote getters and he would be a starter had he been healthy. And then of course, of course we got Teoscar Hernandez and Aaron Judge. So gonna show you how loaded the AL AL East lineups are. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And um some of the other players that didn't get selected. Actually, no, before I get to that, Shohei Otani was selected as the starting designated hitter. He's actually the first player to be selected as both DH and a pitcher in baseball history. That's so cool. That's the other guy who I think really has a legit shot at the M- MLB MVP. He's got 30-plus home runs right now. He had a few bombs this weekend, too. He yeah. is extremely fun to watch. And I know I should probably be hating on him as a Yankee fan because of how he didn't want to pitch in like the big lights in the Bronx, but you, to see a guy who hits and pitches like that well on a consistent basis, that's a once in a lifetime thing. I can't really, Absolutely. That. you know me, I, I just love watching good baseball. So I'm, I'm not going to 
get on Shohei Otani. I just wish he was more willing to come to the Bronx instead of be a masochist and join the other Southern California team in Los Angeles. Of course. Home run derby, we'll see him there. It's going to be fun. And now Ben Cruz actually, he has a few comments. Otani is an absolute machine. I agree. He is. He also says Cedric Mullins robbed. Yes. You know what, though? Yes. With Mike Trout's injury, that could very well open the door for him to be in the starting lineup, and I completely agree with that. I'm going to pull up his numbers, too, for you. He's His average has got to be what? Like well over 300 right now? Yeah, he, I have it right here, actually. He's banged 318, 15 bombs, 32 RBIs, 15 stolen bases. He's been phenomenal. What are you, trying to steal my Thunderdome? <laughs> I, I love Cedric. I was going to. I was just about to talk about him. I no, 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 I appreciate that. I love that you're helping me on the side. He's just obviously uh, the All Star Game is a popularity contest in terms of voting, but this guy is just like he's been insane this year. I don't, not many people thought he was going to break out. You know, he's five foot six. He's he's just a pure athlete. He's he's really good, and I think you know deserves a shot to start in center field during this All Star Game. And by the way, speaking of snubs, we mentioned Shohei Otani was the starting designated hitter. For him to beat out guys like JD Martinez and Nelson Cruz, that says something. Yeah. Both of them made it to the All-Star game, by the way, but they're not in the starting lineup. Uh, besides them, you got Adoles Garcia, possible rookie of the year winner. Joey Gallo in Texas, who's a name that I see a lot of Yankee fans wanting. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. And I really don't know if at this point it's going to make a difference, but oh well. And um, Michael Brantley, who is another name I really wanted. Nice contact hitter. I know he's yeah. with the Astros, but he's pretty solid. Jared Walsh, the guy who, um, the guy who pretty much usurped Albert Pujols from the first base spot. I think that's another solid selection for reserves. Jose Ramirez, Matt Olson, Carlos Correa, Bo Bichette, who I think is probably the most underrated member of that Blue Jays lineup. He's, you could even argue he's as good as, as Vlad. Well, no, not as good as Vlad. He's up there. Yeah. Definitely the better players in that lineup. And then last but not least, you got the disgraced Jose Altuve, who make no mistake, say what you want about the Astros. I still think he deserves to be mentioned among the all-stars. How's it going, John Rankin? Good to see you. Thanks for checking in, buddy. Love to catch you on a show one of these days. And um, now let's get to some of the pitchers that were selected. Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Nathan Yavaldi, who, again, I'm not surprised to see him bouncing back. That's another reason the Red Sox are doing well. Kyle Gibson, another possible trade target, too. I could see him going to a contender. Yusei Kikuchi, Lance Lynn, and Carlos Rodon, and then... As far as the leaders go, you got Matt Barnes, Aroldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, and yeah, I think actually Ryan Presley and Gregor Soto. But yeah, it's pretty solid All-Star team. You got no complaints. The only really complaint I have is I think Mullen should be a starter. Yes, I agree. And now, before we wrap this up, let's go over to the National League starters. We got Buster Posey as your starting catcher. Happy to see him bouncing back. Missed awesome. him. Great to see him come back after missing a year because of COVID-19, but he had a good reason to do so too. And to see him still among one of the elite members at catcher, it's great. And I got to ask you, Dom, I don't know if we talked about this in great depth before. Who did you view as the better catcher like in the National League, Posey or, or Yachty? Mm, that's, it's tough. I, I just, I've always loved Yachty, so I would probably lean towards Yachty. Buster Posey is definitely up there too. I just, I just love how consistent Yachty is. He just kind of, you know, he just he's always been just such a good defensive catcher, and now just being a really good contact hitter too. And he's just great clubhouse team guy. I just, I love Yachty. Yeah, you know, it's a tough call for me because 
Buster's one of those guys that, in a sense, it was like a Derek, a Derek Jeter personality for the Giants in that mm-hmm. he came into a championship as- atmosphere. He helped them win multiple championships, and he's going to be a future Hall of Famer too. So I'm not going to, like, I, I can't disrespect Buster Posey, but it's a tough call, but I'd have to go with Yachty just barely because he has a lot of the same qualities that Buster had. Yeah. I think the only reason I can't really put Buster ahead of Yachty is because Buster had a lot of injuries that kind of slowed down his career. But nevertheless, Yachty has a lot of gold gloves, and he's become – he's actually improved his heading over the years too. Yeah. I, he, I can't really go against Yachty. He, he might not be ahead of Paji Rodriguez for best catcher of my lifetime, but he's pretty high nonetheless. I agree. And um, Tom says, so do I. I'm assuming he's talking about Cedric Mullins. And other guys that uh, we have for the starters, Freddie Freeman, starting first baseman, coming off a National League MVP season. I'm happy to see him get the starting job. I mean, Matt Muncy had a pretty good season, but I think you got to put it at Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I agree. He's He's been so good. And we got some under-the-radar players, too, in this lineup. Adam Frazier of the Pirates. I really hope he ends up getting dealt to a championship contender. He should. One of the best hitters in the league right now. Nolan Arenado at third base. Great acquisition by the Cardinals. The fact that they bear, they pretty much had only give a bag of chips to get him. <laughs> I know Andy can vouch for me on that. Fernando Tatis, I would say, I think him and Vlad are probably the league leaders among vote-getters in this All-Star yeah. game. Another guy who's not surprised, I'm not surprised to see. Raul Cunha, who I think, I think for National League MVP, it's probably going to be either him or Tatis. Yeah, I agree. But I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Tatis. I think this is really his first real breakthrough season. I mean, this is actually the first time you're you're seeing him in a normal play out a normal full 162 game season, if you can believe that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the other two outfielders in the starting lineup, two guys on the Reds who have been quietly doing well as there's a drive into the left field by Castellanos, that'll be a home run, and that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. And then, of course, he got his teammate, Jesse Winker. So I like this lineup a lot, and then got some pretty good reserves, JTO Real Muto, Ozzy Albies. It was a tough call between Bryant and Arenado, but I think Arenado was probably the better choice for third base. Mm-hmm. Brandon Crawford, Jake Cronenworth, Max Muncy, as I mentioned, he just got edged out by Freeman, but in any event, he's definitely a worthy all-star. You got the re- most recent hitter of the cycle, Trey Turner, in there too. Mookie Betts, who I think he's definitely improved after kind of a slow start to the season. Kyle Schwarber, whose number is definitely like inflated after that epic series he had against the Mets, but in any event, he's still a big home run leader. Juan Soto, who I think is probably the best player on the Washington Nationals, is up there too. Great to see I him. I agree. And starting pitchers, here's a shocker, Jacob deGrom. Hmm. <laughs> Can't even say that with a straight face. And um, yeah, no, it's funny. I should mention that because Tom says, what about Jake? For MVP, you know what? If Jake, De- if Jacob DeGrom, I actually, I, you know what? I said Acuna and Tatis. I would legitimately put Jacob DeGrom as MVP candidate. And I don't say that about too many pitchers. But when you look up the numbers he's posted, that's pretty close to Bob Gibson's 1968 numbers. How can you not put him up there in that conversation? Video game numbers. He's, in, he's been insane. And um, I see a little, I see some uh, comments in the peanut gallery, John, John Rankin and Tom having their little side conversations <laughs> and um, hope you guys both are doing well. And um, yeah, no tight spot is an up and comer. You should be watching. Hey man, I would definitely love to check you guys out. Send me the link and I'll, I'll watch. 
and other starters who are doing well. Tevin Gaussman, who unfortunately just lost his no-hitter, so uh, there goes that wish. But nonetheless, I think he's the MVP for the San Francisco Giants at this point. I don't know if that's a stretch to say. No, he, he, he's he been their best pitcher, and he's been just – he's been insane. Like I said before, he just reinvented himself. He's been – he has a sub – what is it? He has like a one-point-something ERA. He's been incredible. Yeah, 1.73. Pretty, It's pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Would be the ERA any other year. Trevor Rogers, Herman Marquez, we mentioned. Zach Wheeler's quietly having a good year for the Phillies, too. I think that's another solid selection. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he's had the better numbers than Nola. No, I know he didn't have the performance that Aaron Nola had at City Field, but still. Yeah, Nola's, Nola's, Nola's ERA is a little um, inflated now. I think it's like either like a little, like um, slightly over four or slightly under, um, slightly under four, something like that. But yeah, Zach Wheeler's been, not, not many people are talking about, it. he's been really good this year. It's crazy. Trevor Rogers, he's another guy too on the Marlins, uh, like a rookie. He's been very good too. He definitely deserves his All Star um, nomination. You know, I mentioned another. I mentioned Taiwan Walker got kind of got snubbed for starting pitchers. Would you agree that Edwin Diaz kind of got snubbed too for the relief pitchers? Yeah, I would say so. He's been he's been having a really good year too. Yeah, no, he's he's back to being like Seattle Mariners Edwin Edwin Diaz now. Yeah. Let me look at his ERA too. Is it, it's, what is it? It's like 2.84 and that that's much improved for the years he's had previously. Absolutely. I don't know if I would necessarily say that the Mets, Mets won that trade because what happens to Kalanick remains to be seen, but regardless, I feel still think he could have easily made it to the all-star game. However, with that being said, it also tells you how really good this set of relief pitchers is because the guys who did get in are Josh Hader Craig Kimbrell, Mark Belanson, and Alex Reyes. And Alex Reyes is probably the one bright spot of the St. Louis Cardinals bullpens. Because remember, I had Andy Hopper a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, no, more than a couple weeks ago. Probably back in like late May, we were talking about the Cardinals bullpen and how much it's given him nightmares. And really, the only guy is Alex is Reyes because that 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 bullpen's walking guys left and right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's your All Star Game roster. I'm really excited to see how this game goes. And John Rankin, thanks again for checking in. Appreciate you, my guy. And um, before we go, Dom, is there anything else you have to say about like the All-Star game and the Yankees and pretty much anything in general? Like I said before, like I'm excited to see Shelly Otani in the home run derby. That's going to be fun. I always look forward to that every year. But like, kind of like we were talking about before, I don't know what the Yankees are going to do, but at this point, I'm just going to just trust Cashman and hopefully just he does something right. And this team just turns it around. That's all I could say for now. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you right there. And um, once again, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. You have watched another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. And if you want to find us, please be sure to give us a follow on all our forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And of course, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You have watched another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. Next week, we will be back in our normal time slot Thursday at 7. But until that day comes... I'm Hank Addictor, signing off. So long, everybody.